0: The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games,
1: football, and entertainment. And we are live to the W2M Network. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Welcome into the kickoff here on w 2 mnet Dot com as well as where you're always going to listen to your other... Po- blah, 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 blah. Hi, everyone. As you can tell, I'm a little out of practice. I haven't done this in a couple of days. <laughs> We're live on W2M Network. You can find us online at W2Mnet.com, as well as where you listen to your audio podcasts, such as Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play Store, what have you, Chatbox. Case or bar. Anywho, joining me as per usual, my co-host, Brandon Biskabing.
2: Hey, what's going on?
1: And the fourth man, Eric Watkins. Everybody gave me crap about a couple of picks over
0: the last couple of weeks. I feel vindicated on so many levels.
1: Yeah, and one of those levels is that your team sucked in the ACC championship game. Congratulations,
0: which I <laughs> predicted. Thank you very much. I okay. knew it. We
1: just because you predicted it to happen doesn't mean you should have wanted it to.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, really. I just knew that we were pretty.
1: <laughs> I mean, a couple of years ago, Florida was in the SEC title game against Alabama. I knew we were going to get trucked, but I still picked Florida.
2: <laughs> and this is why I'm the realistic fan amongst the group. Uh, hey, I'll admit, I'll, I'm realistic at times when I need to be. Like, I will admit that the Giants absolutely suck this year. See?
1: Hey, but look at the bright side. The Niners got another win, so you guys are, like,
2: heading towards the
1: second overall pick now.
2: Yay! Hey, we don't have McAdoo anymore. Yay! <laughs>
1: I'm telling you, we missed an opportunity with him getting fired. Stepped
2: in McAdoo
1: would have been gold.
2: (laughs) Maybe he gets picked up by another team this year or something, for next year or something. He can always be a coordinator
1: somewhere else. Not to mention, I'm pretty sure Cleveland's going to be needing a coach again soon. Anywho, Oh,
2: please please let that happen.
1: (laughs) So, speaking of gold and things not so much, I think it's time to get this show officially started. It's time for Studs and Duds. I will have Steven's picks when I do mine a little bit later on. Eric, start us off. Stud, hit me. Okay.
0: Monday night, a a rather surprising result happened. A result that, well, when you look at the overall math in the AFC, makes me a little bit worried about our fan base here in Jacksonville but in that result there was one running back that emerged and left the game only to re-emerge yet again Kenyon Drake I mean it's a shame that he didn't break his one long run in the second half for a touchdown but still doing what he did to take a lot of pressure off of Jake Cutler in that offense a very stud worthy in my book
2: Harry? Oh, boy.
1: Harry, Harry. Apologies, guys. Had a little bit of technical difficulties there. Brandon, stud, hit me.
2: My stud, I'm going to stick with the man that just keeps on giving this holiday season. It is the burger, Rothless, Rothless burger, <laughs> 560 yards. Two touchdowns in a 39-38 win over Baltimore. And not only that, he led the Steelers in an 11-point comeback in the last 6 minutes and 44 seconds of the fourth quarter. A huge game for him. So, he keeps on giving all year long.
1: Yeah, let's not forget here that this is a game that Baltimore realistically should have won. Mm Mm-hmm. Because... This is a game that Baltimore came out, and dominated the third quarter after trailing twenty to fourteen at halftime, and looked like they were about to put Pittsburgh in their place and may- remain in contention to win the AFC North. That is until the burger, the the burger, burger stepped up and said, "Nope, sit down, bah humbug. <laughs> I mean, when you become the
3: first
0: player to have three different. 500 yard passing games that, that that just tells you it's like no I I, I still got this
1: you go away good <laughs> dog Okay so my my stud for the week is going to be a little bit of a homer So I'm going to go ahead and call it on myself here No homer Ah <laughs> uh, nothing says football like a blizzard right Yes especially this time of year <laughs> there was a foot plus on the ground at New Era Field in Buffalo. As quickly as the grounds crew and apparently the offensive linemen for the Indianapolis Colts at the end of the fourth quarter were clearing the field, Mother Nature was putting it right back onto the ground. LaShawn McCoy did not care about any of that. 154 yards and a game winning 24 yard run in overtime means snow angels for everybody as buffalo wins 13-7.
2: I mean, not not to burst your bubble there Harry or anything, but I mean in a snow game like that, yeah, you would expect your running game to be pretty solid and dominant because you have no passing game to go to.
0: And there was literally no passing game to speak of for a very <laughs> long stretch.
1: I'm going to disagree with that because I actually got to watch the end of the game thanks to bonus coverage because Minnesota and Carolina ended relatively early. Uh, Joe Webb actually had a couple of really good passes to get us into position for Shady to break one at the end of overtime. Again,
0: Joe Webb. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that now. You you relied on him. And I believe, wasn't it until late second quarter, right on the fringes of halftime, if not after halftime, where you finally had your first completed pass of the entire game?
1: I will state for the record that I did not get to watch the Bills game this week due to the fact that Minnesota and Carolina, for some reason was the national CBS broadcast. Hello <laughs> Fox. That's on you. Anywho. Um, but at the same time though, Hey, at least it wasn't Nathan Peterman throwing five completions to the opposing team. True. Very true. All right, I will get to Steven's picks once we're done with ours because I am currently indisposed at the moment. Therefore, I'm going to go ahead and let Eric continue as we flip the script and we hit our duds for the week. Eric?
0: Well, going as I teased before about certain teams and fan bases, I I, got to be a little bit of a homer but in kind of a bad way because, okay, bad enough you have a star defensive lineman going at the center's knees. In victory formation. Bad enough that that starts a brawl. Bad enough that two players, rightfully so, get ejected from the game. When it's pretty much done. All of this stemming from a clearly missed call, but that's a debate for another time. You don't add insult to all of that by thinking you're all big and bad, wearing a Jalen Ramsey jersey, and deciding to throw beer on people to the point where you have one of the aforementioned defensive linemen climbing up into the stands to lay down an ass-whooping. For the fans who did that, you're my duds. Your season tickets were rightfully revoked. Just, no. We have a weird enough reputation as is. Just stop it.
2: Yeah, we were lucky to not get a uh, an NFL version of the Malice at the Palace there. If those stands were about two feet
0: closer to the ground, we would have.
1: Um, Brandon, I'm going to state for the record, I strongly dislike you because I was just about to make that reference.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry for stealing your thunder.
1: No, you're not. You're, you're relishing in it. It's okay. I would do the same to you. Brandon, dud, hit me.
2: My dud for this week is the entire New York Jets offense. Not scoring a single point against the under 500 Broncos. And, and by the way, their defense is the 24th in the league in scoring defense. They have given up more than 20 points a game this season on average. Jets, I know you suck, but... Come on. And to
0: add injury to insult, McCown broke his hand.
2: Oh, yes, and he proceeded to say, confide to one of his players that he thinks that may be the end for him.
0: You know what? I I wouldn't be necessarily mad if that were the case. At this point, it's a good riddance.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: My dud for the week is the New England Patriots. Miami. Miami.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair, this is kind of Miami Super Bowl. To be fair. How
1: do you lose to Miami?
0: Tom Brady has been very. Uh, iffy in his career when it comes to playing the Dolphins in Miami. I don't know what it is.
1: I just – I don't understand how you can have an opportunity to to make next week's game against Pittsburgh basically be to clinch home field advantage throughout the entirety of the AFC playoffs and you lose to Miami.
0: Oh, and again – With the math, that not only opens the door for Jacksonville. uh, I can't believe I'm about to say this. The Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars led by Blake Bortles have a shot, an outside shot, but a shot at home field advantage.
2: And they have a very legitimate shot at home field advantage, at least for the second round. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, end a for a first round bye. Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, I, I, I don't know if I'm sufficiently prepared
1: for this. <laughs> Eric, you realize you may end up having to party like it's 1997 all over again. <laughs> 99, but close enough. I, I'm I'm sorry, I can't remember when the Jaguars were last relevant. My apologies.
0: That's okay. That's why I'm here.
1: <laughs> Apparently what? so is, is
2: there is there an NFC is there an NFC team? Oh, actually here's one. It would be perfect if, if it were either Jaguars uh Rams or uh Titans Rams for the Super Bowl this year, uh oh. considering what my uh Super Bowl tradition would be considering what my Super Bowl halftime tradition is, because it would actually be fitting, because the year that this occurred um, is the same year that both of those teams were last relevant.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, I, feel, I feel like Titans-Rams would be a bad idea, because then we'd have to drag Kurt Warner out of mothballs.
0: Yeah. Not to mention we just have to see the highlight again and again. (laughs) Uh, All
2: right, um,
1: Sean, are you with us? We have a producer. We need a producer at this particular moment.
0: I would think he
1: did, and apparently he was there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got Stevens' picks for. Well, I, I technically have half of Stevens' picks because he would have went with the Patriots for his dud, and I beat him to it. Nana, nana, <laughs> boo boo. His stud for the week is Dak Prescott. Um Brandon, it got ugly in that fourth quarter. Uh, yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> like there's nothing you can say to defend yourself here. I mean, not that I, I, Dallas is going to sniff the playoffs in the NFC this year with everything going on over there because you're going to
2: need,
1: you're going to need at least ten wins in the NFC and Dallas isn't going to get there.
2: Yeah, I, I thought the Giants actually had a chance uh in the beginning of that game and then um and then I the mean guys.
1: it was it was ten ten in the fourth.
2: Yeah, I know. The Giants were actually playing well for most of the game and then they just laid a big old goose egg in the fourth. I, I think they actually laid a Macadoo. <laughs> yes. I would have to agree.
1: Uh, I'm hilarious. Um, so yeah, Stephen doesn't have a dud listed, and if he were here, he would give it. It'll go with his Joe Flacco pick for last week. (laughs) Uh, And in that case, in honor of Stephen, we'll give the Ravens defense an honorary dud for blowing that fourth quarter lead against Pittsburgh.
2: Yeah, that works.
0: But again, Chris Boswell, (laughs) another
1: game winner, so... I reiterate what I said last week on this very show, Eric. Winner, winner, by the kicker dinner. <laughs> you know how Ben likes to get all those extravagant gifts for his offensive linemen at the end of the seasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, time to start getting Chris Boswell something, too.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's, he's already the fourth killer beast, so
1: it, it, he's kind of due. Yeah, and he's actually one who has a last name B, unlike Roethlisberger, Burger
0: Roethlis.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be stuck in my head the rest of this holiday season, Brandon. I hope you're happy.
2: I am. I'm very happy, actually. (laughs) We're we're just
1: picking up stuff as we go here on the kickoff. Speaking of which, guys, so, that happened. Segway! Um... Yeah, Philadelphia season's over. Uh, Let me let me on that. If their quarter, if their backup quarterback wasn't named Nick Foles, I'd say their season was over. Foles has proven that he can win in Philadelphia, but losing Carson Wentz is one hell of a blow to their chances of being the team to prevent Minnesota from playing at home in the Super Bowl, becoming the first team ever to do so.
0: I mean, with with their offense, Nick Foles being back into not quite a Chip Kelly system, but something that's geared toward him between Doug Peterson and Frank Reich, okay, but at this point, I, I have to agree, you are getting a drop-off, especially in the mobility factor from Carson Wentz. Now, I still say, whoever goes to the Super Bowl out of the NFC is going to be beat up a bit because there's going to be a lot of great teams. So I can't quite say Minnesota's the out-and-out favorite, but this creates a bit of a dent.
2: I mean, to be fair to the Eagles, um, they still certainly have a chance of getting the overall home field advantage because, I mean, look at their schedule moving forward for, for the rest of the season. You've got the Giants this week, which that should be a win for them. And then you have the Raiders and Cowboys both at home. And I think those games are both uh, definitely winnable games for them.
0: Plus, it helped that with this win, they've already crossed a major hurdle in clinching the division. So now you figure you can't really drop any worse than third and you got a good position as Brandon said with the schedule to get the first round by possibly See,
1: <laughs> See I disagree they could possibly drop down to the fourth seed Eric Let's not forget the other four the other three division leaders in the NFC right now are the Rams, the Saints and uh, the Vikings all of whom could conceivably pass Philadelphia.
2: If the Eagles go
1: into a slide, the final three weeks of the regular season.
2: I mean, I think the Vikings. I I think the Vikings could conceivably win, lose one of those uh, their next three, especially with uh, Aaron Rodgers coming back when they face the Packers at Lambeau.
1: Hey, save the Aaron Rodgers talk for later. We'll get to him in a bit. Dun dun dun. Dramatic reverb. That's like an official thing on this podcast, every time I dun-dun-dun. All right, anyways. (laughs) Um, So this officially kills any chance that Carson Wentz probably had at winning the MVP. This is now Tom Brady's trophy to lose, is it not?
2: Sadly. Probably, although um, I'll talk about the Patriots more later. But, um, yeah, um, I would – potentially put some other people up there if certain things continue for the for the remainder of the season.
1: Um the only other person that I could think that would be a viable threat would be the only other person that I could think of that would be a viable threat for Brady as the MVP right now is Drew Brees and that'll only happen probably if the safety on Wilson you
3: know, is not in this conversation for you? Look what he's doing with that shitty offensive line. Wilson's the not team. going
1: to win his division.
3: It doesn't matter. You don't have to win the division. You just have to get to the playoffs.
1: I disagree. I don't know. Go though. look if in you history. Look at- you
3: tell me every single one of those guys that has won an MVP has won their division.
1: Hold on. Not I'm just- about
3: to. Also,
0: with history, look at how much of the offense, statistically, Russell Wilson is all but one offensive touchdown. 86% of the offensive yardage. Yeah, there's a legitimate argument
3: here.
2: I, uh, You know who I would also put as a legitimate argument, especially with how he's played over the last two weeks, and if he leads them to get a number one seed and proceeds to beat Tom Brady?
1: Why do I feel like I know where this is going?
2: It's the burger, Roplas, Roplas burger.
1: Stevie Wonder saw that one coming
0: <laughs> <laughs> in a dark room, no
2: less. I mean, and he's he, only uh, he's only let uh, a little more than a hundred yards behind uh, Brady in passing yards this year.
1: Well, I think the thing though is that Roethlisberger has weapons that Brady doesn't in New England, though. Although yeah, Brady. Great. Brady did just get another weapon, and that kind of takes us into our next discussion point here, of Kenny Britt to the New England Patriots.
2: That certainly helps them.
1: I don't know. It'll depend on which Kenny Britt it is. If it's the Kenny Britt of a couple of years ago in Tennessee, great, awesome, fantastic for Brady. If it's the Kenny Britt of last year into this year from Tennessee, eh, well, you know.
0: Yeah, very true. Uh, I don't know, though. I mean... When everybody looks at a lot of these troubled or talented yet troubled wide receivers, something happens to where they go to New England and they all of a sudden become pro bowlers.
2: That is very true what Eric said, but also it could be a situation where, I mean, look at how well Tennessee has played this year in spite of how he's played, it may be a situation very similar to uh Kelvin Benjamin in uh in Carolina where they were just going to other options and maybe this change of scenery will help him I'll Benjamin in, in Buffalo now.
1: You can make the argument for addition by subtraction for Tennessee as well. Exactly. Easily, because I I, th- I don't think there's any question that you have to consider. Maybe Mariota is a uh, uh, at least in contention for all NFL honors this year with the job that he's done leading the te- the uh, Tennessee Titans.
2: Yeah, the only issue with that obviously is in is he's in the AFC in the same conference as Brady and uh, and Roethlisberger
1: burger offless.
2: yes
1: (laughs) Uh, all right let's see here what else do we have we got a crap ton of bowls coming up for you guys uh probably not next week but the week after christmas week that wednesday is when we're going to do our new year six predictions if everybody's good with that that's perfectly fine works for me (laughs) All right, I was going to say here. Does that work for you guys? So we'll do our New Year's six predictions here. But uh, just overall, what is your guys' take on the uh, on some of the bowl games that were announced here? Is there any one particular bowl game that you're looking forward to the most?
2: Um, I mean, I haven't really looked all that in depth at the bowls. Um, I, mean, I have mine. If you guys, if you want to go ahead and
1: take a quick moment to take a look at them, Brandon, while I go I, and got
2: up. I just pulled it up.
1: All right, well, while he's looking, you know which uh, bowl game actually interests me the most? What? It's the team not good enough for the college football playoff.
2: That is one, definitely. Auburn gets Central Florida.
0: That's going to be a quirky one, especially Uh since this will be Scott Frost's last game as coach of UCF.
1: (laughs) i I really hate to say this here for for the Central Florida fans here because they've had such a Cinderella season, especially after going 0-12 just two years ago. Mm-hmm. But, uh, knock, knock. Who's that? Reality, and its name is Auburn.
0: Yeah, th- this is why when they had the whole, oh, Power 6 movement, power lives here, blah, blah, blah. I saw this matchup, and I'm like, that argument's officially going to die in a fire.
2: Well, we don't necessarily know that, because I'm sure people were saying that about Boise State and TCU back in, what was it, 2011, 2012, um, when they were in in New Year's Six Bowls against power conference teams, and they went in and beat them, so, you know... Yeah, it's gonna be an uphill battle for them, but I could I could see them pulling it off. Yeah, um, as as a good game. But but wouldn't that count doesn't that count as a New Year's six Bowl anyway?
1: It does, but at the same time, we'll give official predictions later on. I'm just talking about the fact that I think that this is going to be the unfortunate reality for Central Florida of be careful what you wish for.
2: I think looking at a few of the non-New Year's Six Bowls, I think one that, that is going to be very interesting to watch, um, especially because both of them have kind of had similar but not really all that similar seasons, um, the Cotton Bowl between USC and Ohio State.
1: That's another New Year's Six as well that we will go into more details in in a couple of is weeks that- too, I'll- you know what? To me, the most intriguing match of the uh, bowl, the the, the pre New Year Six bowl season is what Boise State and Oregon.
2: That would that's going to be an interesting one. Going in, going even a little further down into the lower end bowls, um, it's probably going to be a wipeout. But um, it'll. I, I have a feeling it may be a little fun, uh, a, a fun little game. Troy against North Texas in the New Orleans Bowl.
1: (laughs) Oh, poor North Texas. Poor, poor North Texas.
0: Uh,
1: Real quick in regards to uh, the Boise State-Oregon thing that I was saying, and then I'll let Eric go ahead and give his prediction for the bowl games that he's looking forward to here. Um, I have a funny feeling Oregon State or Oregon and Boise State could be a first to 50 wins. (laughs)
0: 50s, yeah, well, right. uh, possibly, now that Taggart's
1: gone. The I just feel like is... Oregon lets loose and they end up letting fly against Boise State because we all know they don't really play defense in the Pac-12, and Boise State's never been known for its defense. It's already played one Pac-12 school this year, and it allowed 45 in that game to Mike Leach in Washington State.
0: Uh, uh, true, true. I mean, at that point, 50, if not 60, <laughs> when you're talking with those kind of numbers, especially with how Pac-12 offenses
1: run. All right, Eric, you were going to say something about one of the other games that you were looking forward to? Yes, a matchup of the Aggies versus, well, the Aggies. <laughs>
0: New Mexico State in their first bowl game in several decades. E- e- even though, yes, it's a kind of a mediocre Utah State team. I just want to see what New Mexico State does, how they do in extremely unfamiliar territory. I, I- part of me is going to be rooting for them, but. Part of me would also expect them to be slaughtered just as bad. So, I don't know. There's a good aura of mystery around
1: that one. Not to mention, this is a New Mexico State team going to a bowl in its final year in the Sun Belt as well. Hmm.
2: Uh, Another one that – another smaller bowl that is going to be kind of interesting to see, I feel, is going to be the – Armed Forces Bowl between San Diego State and Army. Could see that game being a pretty high-scoring and and run-and-gun type game. Well,
1: since you just mentioned Army, let's go ahead and break down the best college football game in the country last week because, (laughs) well, it was the only FBS (laughs) football game in the country last week. Let's talk Army-Navy, gentlemen. Um, That was one hell of a game. Uh-huh. Under the
0: snow game before the snow game.
1: Yeah, well, ours had more snow, so neener, neener, neener. <laughs> Get it? Uh, just, you know, my I, I've said this before in a, in a post on Facebook. And I'm going to say it right here on this show as well. In my opinion, the best six minutes in college football don't happen during a game at any point in the season. It's the immediate aftermath of the Army-Navy game with the singing of the alma maters.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and, and, gee, I wonder who was the brilliant Nostradamus like genius that predicted that Army would win the game and sing second. Hmm. I gotta shake that man's hand. Or better yet, buy him
1: a beer. Can you help me find him?
3: I want to point out that I also
1: this is what we get for working with a couple of Nostra dumbasses. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. No, I get mad when Navy loses this game because I never hear the end of it from my army for it. (laughs) I have friends that served in the army, and I've always been a Navy fan. So anytime Army wins, especially last year when they broke the streak, I get endless amounts of crap for it.
0: Hey, I, I got uncles that serve pretty much in uh, all branches of the military, so I win either way. Although <laughs> oddly enough, mine is mostly a Navy family, so
1: there's that. <laughs> if ever there was a case for the classic ABC sports tagline of the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, it was the kicker for Navy.
2: Mm-hmm. What was that? that
1: wide left? <laughs> that was absolutely gut wrenching to see him breaking down on the field while the army players were celebrating in the background.
0: I, I, I will admit, I did kind of feel bad for the guy, but at the same time I'm thinking, yeah, it's a low percentage kick from that distance in the snow. It, it, it's kind of against you.
2: <laughs> I, I I was disappointed because uh, I was at work and we we were closing right when like right as the game ended, so I didn't get to see the end of the game. But uh, yeah, it was it was a fun game. Um, But, yeah, I I agree with Harry um, that I I, I like Navy over Army, so it's always...
0: Regardless
2: regardless of who your rooting interests
1: are in this game, however, I think the real winners of this game are we, the American people.
0: Oh, of course. Oh, absolutely. Because
1: we get to be the beneficiaries of these young men eventually going forward and stepping forward to defend the country as well. Regardless of what you feel about where we're at, why we're there, or whatever, these young men are the ones risking their lives and sacrificing so that we can have fun and do a show like this. So regardless of the final score, regardless of who won or who lost, they're all winners in my book.
2: Of course. But, hey, I mean, between this and uh, something else that – more so harry and i and sean focus on but um this may be a um a a uh unpopular opinion but uh overall throughout the week this is probably the most patriotic week of the year on a yearly basis
1: don't get me started on on that tribute to the troops garbage
2: I know you don't like it, but still, Please. you're getting two things as compared to only one.
1: Meanwhile, somewhere Air Force is wondering, hey, when do we get to be relevant? You hey, don't. What about us? Sit down and be quiet, Air Force. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to move us on from so that, that happened, unless you guys have anything specific you want to discuss about the week that was in the NFL. Uh,
0: no, nah, we're going to be covering the rest of this stuff and uh, a li- little bit of extra side dishes to the meat and potatoes as we go later
1: on, so I'm good. Yep. All right, well, then let's get into our official debate segment. Let's talk by ourselves, shall we?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, Brandon, call it in the air heads or tails? Tails. <laughs> It is heads, Eric. Do you want to go first or second? I will go second. Pick the topic, CFP twenty eighteen. Hold on, I forgot what my other topic was. Green (laughs) Bay and Florida
2: State. I'll go Green Bay.
1: Um, Eric gets to pick. Brandon, you lost the second. Yes, but he gets to pick the first category. Oh, okay. I will actually go CFP 2018. (laughs) All right, so we have the final four for the college football playoff this year, Brandon. I know, source of contention, I get it, we've heard it enough, we'll move on. Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, buy or sell. At least half of this field will be back in the CFP next year.
2: You want me to go first? Well, Eric's going second, so yes. Oh, oh, okay. Now I get it. Um, Yeah, I'm going to buy this. Uh, I think um, Clemson is a school that has been good for the past three or four years, and it seems like they haven't hit any sort of snare after losing their uh, quarterback, Deshaun Watson. Um, So I I think they're going to be a team that's going to be in the hunt um, and in the playoffs for the foreseeable future, uh, Georgia is a team that's on the rise. We've been saying that they they were going to be a dominant team for the last three or four years, but they've fallen flat. But now they get in, and and they seem like uh, they they seem like they're uh, they're a team that's on the rise. And Alabama is just Alabama. You can just pencil them in every single year no matter what because, well, it's Alabama and the Cod football voters have a damn love affair with them.
0: Eric? I, too, am going to buy this because the College Football Playoff Committee has shown in these first few years that they have love affairs with two teams, Alabama and Ohio State. I think, honestly, Alabama's main bugaboo, Auburn, they might have a teeny bit of a drop-off next year. So that gives them more of a free passage to an SEC title. They're in. Clemson, as Brandon said, they haven't missed a beat. They're in. Well, the only question marks that I would have would especially be Oklahoma, since Mayfield's gone. What are they going to do, especially under a relatively new head coach replacing a legend? But one thing that I am going to look at, just about half of the committee, their terms expire in February, including the committee chair, Kirby Holcutt. So are they going to shake things up? Are they going to have group of five representation like they initially wanted. If they do, then I'm going to definitely have to revisit this as the season goes along. But for now, I got to buy it.
1: Yeah, I think a team that might surprise a lot of people actually may be Georgia because with their redshirt freshman quarterback, Jacob Fromm, it's entirely plausible that Fromm could keep this team in contention going forward.
2: Yeah, I, I would definitely say that they're going to be a team to look for moving forward. God knows I'm not looking forward to having to
1: face him for a couple of more years in the SEC East. That's for yeah, damn that
2: makes sh- the SEC East a lot harder for you.
1: You ain't kidding.
2: All right, yeah, Brandon.
0: It's going to make the outdoor cocktail party a little bit more exciting.
1: <laughs> All right, Brandon. You get to pick here. Do you want Green Bay or Florida State? I I would
3: say that the odd team out like you guys in Saints, Oklahoma, cause Mayfield, but don't forget. uh, Michelle's still going to be there as well. The running back Uh, Chubb's gone, but Michelle will be there along with Fromm. and
1: you got to think that Sonny you got to think that Sonny Michelle might be one of the early favorites for the 2018 Heisman trophy then.
3: Oh yeah. I mean, if they can have as good of a season as they did this year as last year or, you know, next year for sure. And I mean, You guys pretty much said it, but Clemson, I would be shocked that Clemson and Alabama are not at least sniffing being in one of the top four spots just because they've been so consistent since the playoff have been around. So, yeah, I think it's more shocking if you don't have at least two of these teams in here next year.
1: Well, I mean, those same two teams, Clemson and Alabama, have been there for the last three years. What's to stop them from making it a four-peat?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, no. it's basically just the BCS all over again, where it's the same teams year in and year out.
3: Well, hold on. Yeah. we're complaining about what though? They're the the best teams. They come out. They have come out there and proven it. It's not like yeah. they're. Uh, it's not like they're nine and three and still getting in.
0: Okay, not to mention sometimes that happens regardless of the system. Remember. Division three with the 32-team playoff. You had 10 years, if not in a row, than an 11-year span. Who did you have as a national championship game? Mount Union versus Wisconsin-Whitewater. North Dakota, five consecutive national championships at FCS. They're going back to the semifinals for the seventh straight year. Good teams are going to be good teams regardless of the format. Oh,
1: yeah. That's how it is. Yeah, um, I remember watching an absolute shock last year when North Dakota State lost in the semifinals of the FCS playoffs. That, uh, was that just, uh, like, I was just—I wanted to oh. say it was Sam Houston State.
0: It might have been, and which is weird because Sam Houston State—they are either in the quarter—they were in the quarterfinals. They might have made the semifinals again this year.
1: All right, let's move on because we have a couple of other things to get to before we get out of here for this show, and we're running on a limited schedule. Uh, Brandon, do you want Green Bay or Florida State? Green Bay. Well, you obviously know where I'm going to go with this question. I think I do. Buy or sell. If Aaron Rodgers can lead Green Bay to the playoffs, coming back from his broken collar collar bone, excuse (laughs) me, but that's all folks. (laughs) he is your runaway choice for NFL comeback player of the year.
2: Oh, without a doubt, if they can make it to the, I mean, that is a big if though, um, because it looks like it looks very likely and very possible that we get three teams from the same division in the playoffs this year. Um, so it's a big if, but yeah, if, Aaron Rodgers comes in and he's able to dominate and they go undefeated for the next three and they're able to make it into the playoffs, yeah. I I definitely see that I, I definitely see him being comeback player of the year. Be I mean the only the only other person that I would even potentially put in the same category, but you know, while he had a good start with them He's kind of fallen off and hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been outstanding since he got traded. But the only other person that I could see as a potential comeback player of the year is Adrian Peterson after being traded to the uh, Cardinals.
1: Yeah, Adrian Peterson was pretty much our unanimous comeback player of the year at the midseason awards.
2: Uh,
0: Eric, same question. I have to buy it because. Collarbone injuries are no joke. The fact that he was even up, being able to practice, being able to throw after just two months, that's impressive in of itself. But you come in, kind of tip Minnesota off the perch a little bit because Green Bay has a relatively easy schedule if you're looking at all the playoff teams and I wouldn't be 100% sure about Atlanta. Of all the teams that are in the hunt, they've arguably got one of the tougher schedules. So there is a little bit of a crack in that door for Green Bay if they win out. If they do 10 and six and sneaking in as a sixth seed, it's Aaron Rodgers' award to lose.
2: Yeah.
1: All right, Brandon, are you ready for the final question? Yep. Buy or sell, Florida State is the marquee college football position to come open this offseason, even though it's now filled with the Willie Taggart of Oregon. Out of all of the college football coaching positions that came open during the course of this offseason, including the ones that will come open after the bowl games are done and completed, Florida State is the marquee job.
2: Um I mean I'm trying to think what other Power 5 schools there were that lost head coaches. I mean the only one that I can think of is uh you had Tennessee uh you had Texas A&M. Well, Texas well yeah, Texas A&M. Um and that's pretty much it. Am I missing any? Florida. <coughs> oh, Florida. Then Ooh, that's a that that's a tough call between Florida and Florida State. I I'd have to say I, I'd have to say Florida over Florida State honestly.
1: Eric, you're in the middle of this down there in the Sunshine State. Do you believe that Florida State is the best opening to come available this offseason? I honestly do because
0: I agree with what? you. Why when you're done? Well, I mean, let's say this. Florida, it's a big job. I am not going to dispute that. But with what happened at the tail end of the McIlwain era, and not to mention you've got an emerging powerhouse in the SEC East in Georgia, you've got the chaos that happened with the Tennessee job, that took quite a bit of the luster off of the Gators, as far as with that pomp and prestige. Florida State, meanwhile, that's practically turnkey. You've got, hopefully, a healthy quarterback coming back in DeAndre Francois. Your biggest competition is Clemson, although you, if you get them at the right moment, they are very beatable, and you can come in and immediately compete for a conference championship a New Year's Six Bowl, and within a couple of years, if you recruit well, things go your way, a national championship. You don't quite have that at Florida. You definitely don't have that at Texas A&M. And all the other Power Five jobs like in Oregon, like in Nebraska, like a UCLA, all of which that filled vacancies one way or another, you don't get those options. You have to have a little bit of a patience. But between all of that, that just plug-and-play with the fan base, with where you are in the conference, yeah, Florida State was the shiniest penny.
2: Let let me actually rephrase this, because I'm going to kind of both buy and sell this at the same time, because under... If you're playing under just purely looking at the name without looking at rosters or anything else and without looking at what's going on in in the conference, I stand by what I said, that Florida is the bigger name. But as of right now, I think I do have to agree with you guys. That Florida State is the better job right now because Florida is in such a state of flux right now that, you know, it's not as a shoe in that you're going to have a good team as is with Florida State.
1: I'm going to agree with Eric here on the basis of the specific reason that he gave about the Clemson thing. Florida is in a division with Georgia, who is going to be relevant for a while based on the way that they've been rebuilding that program and the fact that Mark Richt is, much though I hate to admit it, arguably the best coach in the SEC East. Florida is also in a conference with Alabama, Auburn, and LSU, all of whom are consistently national powerhouses. In the SEC, it's Clemson, it's Florida State, and it's not a whole lot
2: else. Well, maybe Miami.
1: Yeah, but it's still... Okay, Miami this year, but this is a Miami team that has not had any kind of consistent national relevancy in a very long time. That's true. Rather or not they can follow up this year's success, we shall see.
2: Well, I mean that's why Florida State stayed in the SEC or the ACC to begin with. I mean you're basically comparing apples and oranges. While yes, the ACC has gotten better on this level uh, in the last couple of years, you know, mostly with Clemson. Um, but the ACC will always be known as a basketball conference first.
1: Uh, real quick, allow me to correct myself uh, in regards to the Georgia coach. Not Mark Rick, he's in Miami of Florida now. Kirby Smart. Sorry, yeah,
2: I was just
0: about to say. I was like, huh? <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I had a Freudian in there. I I I, rem- I caught myself in time to correct myself. So yeah, Kirby Smart, the former offensive coordinator for Alabama. Yeah. But with what, with what Kirby Smart has done at Georgia, though, Georgia is going to be formidable in the SEC East for a long time to come. And again, you have consistent national powerhouse programs in the, in the SEC West, in Alabama, Auburn, and LSU, that the, the SEC is no cakewalk. Yes, you mentioned Miami's return to relevancy this year in the national title picture, but for the better part of the last decade in the, in the ACC, it's been Clemson and Florida State, and that's about it.
2: Well, yeah. Well, because, like I said, it's, it's pretty much talking apples and oranges because the SEC has been known and will continue to be known as the number one football conference in the country, whereas the ACC will always be known as more of a basketball conference.
1: And that reminds me, Duke can bite me. Go Gators.
2: <laughs>
1: All right. Uh, basketball bias aside here, shall we move on, gentlemen? Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, let's take a real quick trip aboard the lane train here because there's not a whole lot to discuss until the game actually happens. Woo-woo. Florida Atlantic and Akron. They gave them Akron. Hmm. Hey, Sean! Look at the bright side. Sixty-nine might not be the most points that North that uh, Florida Atlantic scores this season. <laughs> <laughs> Does is anybody else not- waiting for Lane Kiffin to try to yeah, hang? Yeah, this one I it, like. Um, seriously, is anybody else waiting for Lane Kiffin to try to hang a century mark on somebody? Because Akron, it could happen against.
2: I I so want to see it happen. Okay. It it wouldn't surprise
0: me whatsoever. And for the amount of trolling that Kiffin's done, yeah, he he would try.
1: I just I feel like there's a part of that Florida Atlantic fan base especially at home in Boca Raton because that makes sense. <laughs> that would be rooting on Florida Atlantic to go for triple digits. <laughs> uh this is going to get ugly quick. Well, so. hey,
0: it's Boca Raton. I mean, look at the overall oh, look at the overall demographics. I mean, come on
1: now. Yeah, not really a whole lot else to do in Boca Raton is there? Nope. I mean I, I I hear shuffleboard's big so you think no. I like
2: for that
1: All right. Uh Brandon, I think I know where you were going with this earlier so I guess I'm going to go and let you start here let's get it together.
2: Yeah, my uh game together for this week is the New England Patriots. Um you guys you're trying to get that number one o that number one spot, the guaranteed home field advantage in the playoffs, and you lose to Miami. <laughs> How do you lose to Miami and not only lose, you get dominated. I don't think they had a lead in the entire game. I know
1: at one point it was like twenty seven ten Dolphins.
2: Yeah. It
0: it was. Now, for a stat, New England went 0 for 11 on third down. That was the first time the Patriots did not convert a third down in a game since 1991. You're not just talking pre-Brady. That's pre-Bledsoe.
2: That's almost before I was even born. Yeah. <laughs> Eric. Who
1: now, are you telling who are you telling to get it together?
0: Now I've already chastised the Jaguars fans. I need to go to the other side of the coin. The Seattle defensive line. Look, I admit there was a terrible holding call that was missed that led to the turnover on downs, that led to victory formation, fine. But especially with Pete Carroll saying, oh, Michael Bennett was going for the ball. I mean, really? Come on. How many other opportunities have you been in that situation, and all of a sudden you're right there and saying, oh, you're going to swipe at the ball? No, you were going at the center's knees. Then the other linemen thinking they're all big and bad, trying to start a fight. It's, no, you're a better team. You're still in the playoff race, even though you're currently on the outside looking in. And guess what? You don't have the Legion of Boom to really back you up. Come on now. get just For Russell Wilson's sake, at the very least, get it together. You're classier than that.
1: Uh, it's funny that you mentioned class, Eric. Uh, Oh, really? You know my word of choice for this particular moment? Segway! (laughs) And I apologize as (laughs) I'm losing my voice actively as we're doing this show. But per the Associated Press, a Georgia freshman is facing felony forgery charges over allegations of passing a counterfeit $100 bill last summer. He is the third player to be arrested since the Bulldogs won the SEC championship game and a spot in the college football playoff. What the hell? I. Oh,
0: you. No,
2: you, you can't pick now to be stupid. Well, to be fair, it seems like, I mean, this, at least in this particular situation, it seems like it happened last year, and it seems like now someone in the DA's office DA's office, or something, or in, in the police department or something, are Georgia Tech fans, and they decided to pull <laughs> this out right now. Um,
1: so what you're saying is he got thrown under the bus by the rambling wreck?
2: Oh, yes, Absolutely. Um, but this is, this is a very bad time for this to
0: happen. Somehow this seems mysterious.
1: Uh, Eric, you cut off there. Try that again.
0: No, I was just saying that that seems mysteriously fitting for this sort of a situation.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. Defense.
1: Defensive back Latavius Brini was taken into custody Tuesday evening by Clark County Sheriff's Office. He was released about three hours later on fifty seven hundred dollars bond. Brini, a Florida native, has not played this season and was likely to take a redshirt. Linebacker Natriz Patrick and reserve receiver Jason Stanley were arrested on misdemeanor marijuana charges on December 3rd, hours after Georgia beat Auburn in the SEC championship game. Because, you know, what better way to celebrate winning the SEC than smoke a little? (laughs) Hey, 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 I would do this. I would point out that a it's a banned stuff since by the NCAA B it's illegal in Georgia C they're morons.
2: I mean, to be fair, you know, and, and, you know, to make it not that doom and gloom for Georgia. Um, these are, it's not like it's your top guys. It's red shirt guys or it's, you know, lower end, you know, reserve guys. Um, so it's not that bad for for them but um but Georgia like I was talking about before and and both Harry and I agreed that Georgia could be a team to stay in the hunt for the next couple of years. This puts a little damper on that because you know if this continues um while it's individual players instead of you know a team as a whole doing anything You know, the NCAA doesn't exactly like bad press coming out about um, teams, especially teams that are going to the college football playoff. So, you know, they may uh, bring the hammer down, and especially because it is a team that is a, you know, Georgia, while they are still a top team in the SEC, it's not like they're, you know, a UCF or anything like that. They are a bit of an upstart, so we know how that goes With teams uh, not exactly following NCAA rules and being upstarts, the NCAA doesn't exactly go lightly on them.
1: Georgia football department, get it together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that... They
2: just need to shut everything down until the (laughs) playoff is over. Put,
1: Put these kids into monk school.
2: Yeah.
1: Congratulations, guys. You're joining a monastery. (laughs) All right. Let's go ahead and get into our final segment for the evening. Let's talk our predictions here. So, there's no college football games to predict this week. I mean, technically, there's a bunch of B level bowl games that we probably could if we really wanted to, but let's be honest. Most of our bowl predictions are going to be New Year's Six and Championship Games. So instead, we're going to go over to the National Football League for our predictions for the rest of their regular season. And how we're going to do this is we're still going to do our kickoff upset pick of the week. We're also going to do our kickoff lock our kickoff lock of the week as well, where we pick the one team that we feel is an absolute certainty to win here. Frankly, I think we might do this going forward into next season as a bit of a survivor pool as well, if you guys would be interested in doing one of those on air
2: yeah that that could certainly work
0: yeah as long as the Giants don't screw me over
2: (laughs)
1: sorry that is that being said much the same way as a survivor pool would work you may not pick the same team more than once for the remainder of the regular season in the lock of the week pick Uh, your upset pick can be whatever and boys I got a doozy of an upset pick for you this week
2: we're going counter to each other, so one of us will win and one of us will lose.
1: All right, let's go ahead and get started here. Steven's picks for the week. His his lock pick of the week is Philadelphia. I feel like I should have the NFL schedule up in front of me. I had the college football graphic in front of me here. Uh, off the top of your head, who's Philadelphia playing this week?
2: Philly is playing the Giants, so yeah. He's okay, that that checks out. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon, that checks out. (laughs) I know. I I was laughing at myself.
1: And his upset pick of the week is the Oakland Raiders.
2: The Raiders are playing. They're playing the Cowboys. Oh,
1: Oh, crap. And apparently, Eric just hurt himself.
0: Yeah, he might have sniped mine, so I have to pick a new upset.
1: Oh, bugger! All right. Well, while Eric is getting his picks together here, Brandon, why don't you go ahead and give me yours?
2: My lock for this week is—I mean, I'm surprised. Well, I guess I stole it from everyone else. If we're not able to pick the same one for the locks either, um, but mine's the most obvious on the uh, on the schedule. The 0-13 Browns will continue to be O, and it will become 14. The Ravens beating the Browns in Cleveland.
1: And your upset?
2: My upset for this week, which I'm baffled that this is actually going to be an upset, but apparently the line has them uh, as favorites. Uh, While, yes, they're going to be very mad at losing to Miami this past week, (laughs) the the Patriots will continue their losing ways and lose to the Steelers at Heinz Field.
1: Eric, do you feel better? Do you need a little bit more time?
0: No, I, I feel better because thankfully I only had to change one pick because, uh, to the contrary to what Brandon said, the lock is not the most obvious Baltimore over Cleveland. There's one that's even bigger.
1: Yeah, I have a pretty obvious lock for my, mine as well. So why don't you go ahead and give me your lock pick, and then we'll see what you got. Mine is New Orleans.
0: I'm sorry, How many times in the National Football League do you see someone laying 15 points?
2: That's true. I'll give you that.
0: I mean, it is the Jets. It's the Jets, who their 38-year-old starting quarterback, who's been on about seven different teams, is out for the game due to a broken
1: hand. Who've been on seven different teams this season alone, or at least it feels that way.
2: Exactly. <laughs> that, that, Let's that, see who even their backup will be. Oh, Bryce Petty. Enough said. <laughs> so what, what you're what, saying what? is this?
1: So what you're saying is this is an anti Petty prediction? <laughs> pretty
0: much. Pretty much. I, I, I love Bryce Petty at Baylor, but this
1: ain't Baylor. That is one hundred percent accurate. Although, based on the season that Baylor had this year, it might be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you got a point on that one. Although Baylor actually did worse, so oh, how the mighty <laughs> have fallen.
1: Truth. Uh,
0: who's your upset? My upset, and I'm slightly surprised that they're a favorite, but um, Kirk Cousins. I still don't like that. My upset's Arizona. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I was. I was.
1: Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to uh, casually disagree with that, if only because West Coast team coming over for a 1 p.m. start.
2: That is true. That's a good point. Mm, true, but I
0: mean two words, and I can't believe I'm saying these two words in this particular context. But given the situation, I have to Blaine Gabbard.
1: I was hoping you were going to say Drew Stanton. (laughs)
0: No, no, because it's so Blaine Gabbard. That's the thing. That's what makes it weird. God, I feel like I need a shower.
1: (laughs) Uh, Look at the bright side. At least least Blake Bortles has proven uh, capable this season in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. Emphasis on this season. Hey, take what you can get, man. I speak this as a Bills fan.
2: Take your first playoff uh, stint in how many years now? Ten. Ten, yeah.
1: Jeez, it's been almost 20 years for both of that freaking (laughs) (laughs) I I hate both of you so much right now.
0: Hey, hey! That '99 season wasn't exactly too friendly, and if it makes you feel any better, I thought it was a forward pass.
1: It it it, it does, and it does it because history has stated otherwise, much to my dis much to my dismay. All right, so my lock pick of the week here. I I, I don't think I'm really going to surprise a whole lot of people here. We're going to go to Monday Night Football. Tampa Bay is dead in the water. They're done. Atlanta has a lot to fight for still, and a a difficult final two weeks to come up. I think Atlanta picks up a much-needed victory this week here, but I don't know if they have enough to hold off for a wild-card spot in the NFC.
2: I mean, they they still have a lot to play for. I think... I have a feeling I already know what the flex game is going to be for uh, week 17, and that's going to be the Patriots or the Panthers against Falcons.
1: That could end up being one of those winners in losers out games. Yeah, I think it is, too.
0: Oh, well, there's a little bit of a caveat to that, though. I don't believe because the Sunday falls on a New Year's Eve, I didn't even see a Sunday night game
2: scheduled. Oh, I thought they always did a collection. See, you might
1: You might be right there, uh you might be right there, Eric. I don't think that they're actually doing a Sunday night game on New Year's Eve.
0: No, I think it's all sixteen games are going to be in the red zone window. Because I looked ahead and I was like because if you think about it, if an 8.30 kickoff, you would be ending fairly close to midnight. And yeah. I don't think with, the, especially going up against Ryan Seacrest,
2: networks kind of don't want that. That is true. Well, also take into consideration, it, is it, no, that's uh, CBS, or I always forget what the, the net, no, it's ABC that does the big uh, New Year's.
1: Did Clark New Year's Rockin' Eve is on uh is on A- ABC.
2: Yeah, That's ABC. But Dick I, Clark Rockin' New Year's Eve
0: featuring Ryan Seacrest. Yes. But
2: any uh, uh, Clarks to me, damn it. But NBC I think does something with New Year's as well. Uh, Carson Daily. Yeah, so they probably wouldn't want to preempt that anyway. So I think so you're probably right. It'll probably be just two doubles.
1: Okay, yeah, but at the, at the same time there, I don't think there's any question that that would probably be your national Fox game at 425. Oh, definitely. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, so, because Cleveland is Cleveland, they've already gotten the permits to have an 0-16 parade.
0: Yes, Sean. T-minus three games, Sean.
1: <laughs> uh, There will be no parade. Ha-ha! <laughs>
0: Oh come on, don't deny me this now. My heart's been broken enough this year.
2: Well uh, it's Browns, so even when they want to do something that's a bad thing, they don't get it. <laughs> so I yes. mean This is a
1: this is a Browns team that will fail at failing.
2: <laughs> fail at wa- failing at wanting to fail. <laughs> that's a new low. Even for the Browns, absolutely. Even for the Browns somewhere
1: Art Modell is rolled over dead
2: I, I'm I'm really hoping that you're wrong because I want my lock to be right but in a way I kind of want you to be right just so we can laugh at them failing at failing
1: well not to mention here's my here's my thought process to this here and there's a reason I want the Browns to win a game this season have you guys heard about this whole go fund me thing that they did
2: no, yeah,
1: I don't think so. <laughs> the organizers of the Owen 16 parade put together a GoFundMe in order to raise money to help hire the staff and stuff that they would need to have said parade. Okay. <laughs> I apologize, guys. My, my cough's coming back on me.
2: We're almost done. Push through. I know. I'm trying. All right.
1: <laughs> Guess who made the donation to give them the money that they need in order to have the parade? Can I say it? I know Eric knows, so go ahead. <laughs> Excedrin, the headache medicine.
2: <laughs>
1: a hilarious, mar- hilarious marketing ploy. Yes. B. It has been stated that if the Browns win a game, the money would be donated to the Cleveland Food Bank. Okay. So this is the humanitarian in me hoping that the Browns can get it together long enough to win a game <laughs> and get a donation for their food bank.
2: Would be perfect I mean, time right before Christmas, too.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be saddened if the Browns won because that ten grand to a Cleveland food bank, and I encourage anybody, if you can, be it a couple extra cans of food or what have you, Donate to your local food bank as well. So I'm not going to be the hard hearted and say go against that. But I mean, come on, Excedrin. We know the Browns give you
2: headaches. <laughs> if, that,
1: <laughs> if that doesn't become a commercial in the offseason, Excedrin needs to fire their marketing people.
0: And hire me. I'm available and I'm dirt cheap.
1: <laughs> That's what she said.
0: <laughs> yeah, nope, wait, wrong show. Never mind.
1: <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I don't think I can top that for a final line, so I'm just going to go ahead and get us out of here. Do you guys have anything else to add before we finally cut this one loose?
2: Nope, don't think so.
1: No, I'm good. I'm going to attempt not to die. We'll see how that works out. If I don't, I'll be back here next Wednesday with you guys. So for our executive producer, Sean Garmer, Eric Watkins, Brandon Biscabing, I'm Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to the kickoff here on the W2M network, available online at www.w2mnet.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next Wednesday night.
2: The
0: following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.